the technical difficulties with the microphones were not their fault. They were mine, so if you're going to throw something, throw it this way. <clears throat> Can I have that staff, hon? Would you mind handing me that? I'm just going to use this as an illustration. A wonderful lady named Annie gave this to me this morning. Her daughter Lisa and her granddaughter, I forget, Liz. I'm in the ballpark. I'm in the right alphabet. Anyhow. Jordan. They gave us this because I'd mentioned to, to Anne some time ago, Annie, that we were looking, I was looking for a staff. And as we come to this passage this morning, uh, this, this morning this passage was about respecting elders and loving our elders and guiding our elders. And this staff is representative of the role and the authority of an elder. Whether he's a preaching elder, whether he's a teaching elder, Whatever elder he is, if it's, they're recognized elders in our church, God has given them this staff through his words, not necessarily as a piece of wood, but as an instruction. This is my word, abide by it. And so I just appreciate Annie bringing this this morning and giving it to me. Uh, Anita and, my, and I have the joy of knowing that sometimes we have succeeded in helping churches and we've succeeded in helping them recognize that the long haul for a pastor begins this morning. The long haul for the pastor will be continuing tomorrow. And the long haul for the congregation walks the same walk. Shepherd and the flock go together in the will of God, to do what God has accomplished for them. And sometimes churches have a hard time getting some tenure out of the staff holder. And our goal is going to be that that will no longer be a problem at Christ Community Church. That God's will will be done, and we will work together with the pastor that he calls here to be the people who will live forever with him as children, sons and daughters in his kingdom. So if you want to open your Bible, you could. And our, our passage this morning is found in 1 Timothy chapter 5. We're just about finished with 1 Timothy. I know you're saying thank you, Jesus. Um, well, not all of you, some of you. 1 Timothy chapter 5, a passage that uh, <clears throat> I told someone the other day that I very seldom have ever preached all the way through 1 Timothy. Usually you come to um, 1 Timothy chapter 1 where it says, uh, this is a, uh, we know that this is a trustworthy statement as found in 115. And you talk about the five places in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy and Titus where uh, Paul has used that phrase but this is a trustworthy statement. And then sometimes we just go straight to uh, chapter 3 and we do uh, the verses that talk about the qualifications of deacons. And I skip 
intentionally departed by deacons, not because I don't believe in deacons. I believe in deacons. I believe that every church has deacons, whether you want to call them that or not. Uh, and so I think that I, I didn't intend to ignore them or to diminish them. Uh, you can look at deacons. You can say we have a deacon as a treasurer. We don't recognize him as a deacon, but he is. We have a, a deaconess over the uh, cap, kitchen captains, they call themselves. They would not say that that's who they are, but that's who they are. And the one that leads that group or the leaders are deaconesses. We have a deaconess who decorates this place or chairs a team that decorates the place. We had a deacon who was in charge of the property team. And they're all doing a good job. We have many servants. Deaconess comes from the word, and deacon comes from the word diakonos, servants of God. And so when I skipped that uh, part of chapter 3 in 1 Timothy, it was to shorten the time that I was in 1 Timothy. I apologize for that. Sometimes then I just flip over to chapter 5 and I go to this passage that says, the elders who rule well are to, cons to be considered worthy of double honor. And I preach this text, and then I say, oh, we're real busy, so we're not going to do the rest of it. This whole book, this whole letter from Paul to Timothy is a precious letter. It's a, it's a letter that every young pastor, myself included, wish we had an older mentor pastor who would sit down and written us a letter like this. Something that we could carry in our pocket, something we could carry in our Bible, something we could carry in our heart. These are beautiful words. And they're not just written to the elders. They're written to the elders and to the men and women of the congregation so that we would all grow into the image of Christ as Paul asked us to do in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 and in several other places. Be imitators of me as I am an imitator of Christ. Did I get that right? Well, I know. There's a lady in the back that She's my mentor when it comes to verses and where they are, and I just love her. Okay, so we're moving right along. Paul picks up. He's been doing training for elders. He's been giving wisdom to his beloved friend, Timothy, and he picks up on the training of elders with this uh, opportunity to talk in verse 17 through 25, in how we are to treat and respect and to love elders. Christ is talking about a man who is really picked by God to serve God's people. I have a hard time uh, thinking that God would do something foolish enough to let us do the picking. Raise your hand if you agree. Sometimes we feel like he is letting us do the picking, but we got to be telling ourselves God is always God, and God is always in control, and God is picking. Our goal or our job is to be obedient and patient. Everybody knows how to spell that word, right? C-O or patient. No, that's... He wants us to be, a pa be patient. He wants us to wait on him. And he wants us to be a people that know how to 
wrap our arms around an elder, a pastor, a leader, and make their life so unbelievably wonderful that they don't want to do anything else but stay here and preach to us and teach us and be our fellow Christians and show us the way home. Right? Isn't that what you think of your pastors and your elders? You should write that in lipstick on your mirror so when you get up every morning, you got to see that. I love my elders. Some of you are taking some deep breaths right now. Well, I only have a small mirror, so. But that's the way it should be. Paul says to Timothy, and I'm going to start in verse 17, chapter 5. And this is not a, a passage about how to choose an elder. This is not an, a passage about uh, what special requirements are made to train them to be an elder. This is a passage about how to be respectful and loving and caring and kind to an elder, to a pastor. Some elders uh, in other churches, of course, but some churches... Uh, they don't do things like it said and we studied last week. Teach him to honor the word of God. And then they let they say things like, Well, a man can't marry a woman. That that's not supposed to happen. Why would they say that in a church? God's word was go forth and multiply and have dominion over the world. Colossians 5 and Colossians 3 talk about God wanting us to be men and women that are propagating the, the population so that whole denominations err when they try to insist that it's wrong for a man to marry and that it's wrong for a woman to marry him. How can unmarried men honor God? It's, it's a passage about... Um, Many things, and I just want to, I'm going to read it right now. I'm going to read parts of it as I go through it. I'm going to try to be done with less than 500 hours. But this says, the first point I want to make is this passage talks about the elders rule well and are worthy of double honor. It says the elders who rule well, and I'm just going to assume that the elders rule well as they do in our church, they do in other churches. Paul says in verse 17, the elders who rule, rule, mm, who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. I'm going to pause there and just make this point. They rule well, and they are worthy of double honor. If somebody is worthy of honor, pastor, for example, is worthy of honor, what is honor? Honor is respecting them. Honor is cherishing them. Honor is looking after uh, their needs. Honor is making sure that others respect them and take care of them. And God says, if they're... If they're worthy of honor, just double it. Double it. If they're worthy of $10 an hour, double it. If they're worthy of a, you know what I mean. They're worthy, and if they do it well, if they preach and teach, and if they work at it, 
they're worthy of double honor. Those who are worthy of double honor are those who stand head and shoulders over everyone else, even sometimes their brother elders, and work hard at preaching and teaching. And they rule by, and the word means since they rule, and I know that we don't like to be considered as being ruled, but the word means to have oversight and the final say in all matters reflecting spiritual nature for those in the church. Now here's the deal. If you are going to give spiritual guidance, I give spiritual guidance many times. Spiritual guidance does not include what color truck do I buy. Spiritual guidance includes should I marry this person or not? And then it includes questions like is that person a Christian? Is that person not a Christian? Does that, you know what I'm talking about, spiritual guidance. And when I give spiritual guidance, then you have to decide to obey. I can give you all the spiritual guidance. I can give you all the spiritual guidance I want to, but it's still up to you as an individual to decide to walk with God and be obedient to God's word. Does that make sense? If I, my role as responsibility and the elders' role as their responsibility is to give you spiritual insight, to give you spiritual direction, and then let you make the decision to be obedient or to not be obedient. If... Um, <laughs> and Paul says, and I'm just thinking about this, but it's funny. Paul says, um, they work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, they're worthy of double honor, honor, and you shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Now, in those days, everybody would have been familiar with what does it mean for an ox to be threshing. An ox would be put in a big uh, place where they crushed the wheat and the grain called a threshing floor and he had a yoke on him and he would walk around and there would be a big pivot point in the middle and he would walk around and the, and the people on the outside would throw the grain that's been harvested onto the threshing floor and the oxen would walk around and mm -hmm. I don't know if that's like an oxen but he's walking around he's crushing the wheat and the, the seed is falling out and the chaff is breaking loose, and the threshing floor is usually positioned where the wind would blow over it, and the chaff would blow away, and there would be left this beautiful pile of wheat. And Paul is saying, when the ox is threshing, don't muzzle him. Don't put something over his mouth. He gets to eat. He gets to share in the food. Our role then is, while he's threshing in a threshing floor, our role is to keep the threshing floor neat, clean, give him plenty of good water, and honor the ox that way. He said, do not, I let, he said, do not muzzle the ox. Don't put a muzzle on the ox. Take care of the threshing floor. For the, just as the ox is worthy of his wages in the threshing floor, the elder, the pastor, the teacher is worthy of his wages as he labors among us. 
no muzzle has a couple of implications, and I want to say just one of them. Typically, the muzzle means <clears throat> as long as he's preaching the Word of God, let him preach. And if they don't want you to preach the Word of God, go out from among them. This is the central part of every teaching that you'll read on. Elders and pastors and shepherds preach the Word of God. And sometimes it will make you feel okay, and sometimes it will not make you feel okay. And when we're doing those kind of things, and when we're taking care of him on the threshing floor, we are to make sure it says, um, he is worthy of his wages. Wages here mean he is entitled to, especially in our culture today, he is entitled to a living wage. He is entitled to a place to stay and care for his families, make it a comfortable place. He is entitled to be able to set aside the funds for his future if he needs, if he can. And then he is entitled to double that. All right. Now you're not awake yet, are you? Some of us thinks... Um, well, he's getting paid more than I do. Listen, the last time I looked, the scripture never says that I'm entitled to a double portion. The labor is worthy of his wages. The labor is worthy, or the elder is worthy of double honor. But he doesn't say that me as George Corbett Magby, as some person out on the street, it's not talking about me there. It's talking about the pastor, the elder of the church. He is worthy of double honor. And the church is not to shortchange that. The, the church is to take those who rule well, who teach and preach, and treat them as they're worthy of double honor. The second point I want to make is they may fail. Pastors will fail. They're still men with clay feet. But they are worthy of careful protection. Help them. Don't allow them to get in a place where they are going to be tempted to fail or allow them to get in a place where they could fail. He says in verse 19, Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. Two witnesses, which we've heard that. Matthew 18 talks about two witnesses. The elder, here it says, do not receive an accusation. Do not let an accusation come in or even be entertained unless there are two witnesses. And don't trick an elder by trying to get him to be a witness against himself. Two witnesses... Talk to him. They should be treated as a brother and they should be confronted if they need to be confronted. And if the elder, suppose I have a charge brought against me, there's not two elders or two witnesses, any of you, but there's only one. And so uh, one of my brothers comes to me and says, Corbett, there's a charge. Well, I don't know if I did that or I didn't do that, but I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to do it again. If I did do it, I repent, I confess, and I will not ever do it again. 
And that's the end of it. Because there's not two witnesses. And if there are two witnesses, and they bring it before the elders, and the, it just gets to be kind of murky right here. Because if there are two witnesses, and they bring it before the elders, and the elders recognize that there's been sin here, What are you going to do? How do we have the option to say, well, it's not that big a sin? Do we have the option to say, wow, he was sharpening this, the eraser end of his pencil instead of the lead end, so we've got to do something? No. Elders have thought process, and they have to analyze it and decide and if it is a serious sin, and if they know it's, and if they even suspect that it's been going on before. The elders bring this elder before the entire congregation, reveal the process, reveal the sin. Even maybe they're going to have to reveal that the elder is sorry or repentant. But it's no longer eligible to be an elder. Uh, Anita and I have had, we have had some of the most devastating experiences in our life because elders were accused, and sometimes it was handled correctly and sometimes it wasn't. One elder was removed as an elder because he bought a magazine in an airport and somebody saw him. That was probably a, not a good thing, but it wasn't, it didn't meet these criteria. One elder, oh, I don't even want to talk about it. He had to be excused because of sexual immorality that would make your hair change colors if I told you about it. But elders will fail. That's the thing. Elders will fail, and elders will do things that they regret, that they don't like, and sometimes they do things that are so serious, they have to be removed from the eldership. And sometimes they have to do be done... It's so serious that we have to bring them in front of the whole congregation so everybody would be afraid to do what they were doing, whether you were serving as an elder or not. All kinds of things can happen. And the bigger the church, the more it can happen. And if you have men and women in the church, things can happen that are not supposed to happen, right? Amen. They may fail, but they are worthy of our careful protection. Um, and one thing I just want to kind of be, uh, make you cognizant of. The matter came up while I was preparing this. It says, well, you know, God hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. I have a struggle with that. If God loves the sinner... And in God's words, once you repent and turn to Christ, you are no longer considered a sinner. You're a sinner saved by grace, but you're not the sinner that that statement is talking about. God sent His Son to pay the penalty for our sins, not so that we could continue to live in them. Paul says in Romans chapter 6, should we go on sinning so that grace may abound? Meganoito. 
which means no way, never. God sent his own son and he demonstrated his love for us so that we could have a savior. Not that we could continue in our sins and like everybody's going to wind up in heaven because God loves the sinner. I hope I'm not making that too confusing. The truth is God wants you to repent of your sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. In God's eyes, when He sees you, when you repent and you become saved, He doesn't see that sinner standing before Him. He sees a child of God wearing the white robe of righteousness of Christ Jesus. And I say this, just elders are the same. They deserve our respect. They deserve our help. They deserve to be considered people that we love. God loves people who repent of their sin and believe in Him. And an elder is called to be faithful and to be holy in all respects so he can be a godly example to the flock. Elders will one day, my third point is going to be out of this passage, elders will one day stand in the presence of Elders stand right now in the presence of God and Christ Jesus and of the holy angels as they do their work in the church. And we think we get to pick them. God's picking them. God's training them. God started a little Joel who was sitting right here not too long ago. One day that little man will grow up and be just like Mr. Terrence who was helping him open the door out here. Mr. Terrence was standing there, and Joel was opening the door with him. They were, I'm just chatting up, you know. I want to see that little guy grow up to be like Mr. Terrence. I want to see that little guy grow up to be like his daddy and be a holy and righteous man. And when we see him, we can trust him to be an elder in our church because God started working in his life when he was still in his mother's womb. Isn't that Unbelievably awesome. And God is working, oh, I'm going to come back there. God is working on the woman that will be his wife, and they will stand together in holiness and righteousness, and they will be able to lead the church with fire because they are on fire for God. They have been on fire, they just didn't know it ever since they were born. Elders must be godly examples. The third thing, they stand in the presence of God in Christ Jesus. It says in chapter 5, verse 21, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in a, spiritual, in a spirit of partiality. And do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily and thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. Elders will stand in the presence of God and Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels. And one of the things that we wish we had in our country today was a lack of partiality and bias 
in favor of one group over another group, when all groups in our country are, are supposed to be, in the word of God, all are supposed to be equal, all men were created equal, right? But if you can spare a couple extra million dollars, or maybe even two extra million dollars, you can buy your way into a privileged place. And certain laws no longer apply to you. And I just want to read this verse from Hebrews chapter 13. That's one you should put on your mirror too. From Hebrews chapter 13, it says in verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls, your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. The writer to the Hebrews is saying the leaders, the elders, were to submit to them. They keep watch over our souls. The soul is the part that goes always with us to heaven. And they keep watch over our souls. And we're to see that those who will one day give an account stand in the presence of God and of Christ and of the holy angels. And one day... Gail and Wayne and Joe and Jonah and Scott and uh, Ken and others who have been elders in our church will one day stand in the presence of God the Father, Christ the Son, the Holy Spirit and holy angels and give an account for our souls. Not how we live, but how they helped us live. That is a serious responsibility. Well, Corbett, how did you help Austin? Let's talk about somebody else, Lord. There won't be any of that. I will stand before the Lord and give an account for his soul. Doesn't that bring the the question about elders to a higher level. <laughs> yeah. He says, do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily. Talking about when we're appointing elders, don't just go and point anybody else, everybody. Some people are qualified and they, we don't know them well enough to let them be elders. Some people are popular and should never be an elder. Pick people that you want to give an account for your soul and do it righteously and with holiness. And who will help you be the kind of person that they won't be ashamed of in heaven. Paul says uh, to them, keep yourselves free from sin. Be pure. Do not lay hands upon another too hastily and thereby share responsibility. It's something about laying hands on a sinner and just uh, coddling him and encouraging them and cherishing their sins that God does not like. Be circumspect. Be discerning. And he says in verse 23, no longer drink water exclusively, 
but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent ailments. This is not a defense of drinking wine. <laughs> and I know you can hear people play this one all kinds of ways. This is a defense of Timothy's stomach. Oh, by the way, Timothy, drink a little wine for your stomach. Quit acting like you got to go around coughing and gagging and throwing up. Just drink a little wine. Any question about that? I got a bad stomach. I got to go home and get some. No. One day, the elders will stand before the Lord God, and they will have to give an accountability for how they conducted themselves, watching over our souls, how they kept themselves free from sin, how they kept themselves free from partiality and bias. You can't let me get away with something and not let Wayne get away with it. Finally, um, the fourth point, they carry a heavy burden. <laughs> now, this was a tough one for me, but they carry a heavy burden... you say, really? What does an elder do all week? <laughs> you can laugh. Just don't ask my wife. With everything that has been said to Timothy and everything that we know about the holiness of God, the elder, the pastor, the leader carries a big load. He will one day give an account one day. And he will one day have to answer for letting us get away for some, with something or not correcting us, not leading us in repentance. And Paul said, Paul said back in the before, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you are who you who are spiritual restore such one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Galatians 6 1. This morning, and I'm just going to close with this one thought. Elders are precious and dear to God. Pastors, as Barry is talking about a pastor that's going to come and look pastor who may be the one that we've been praying all these months for. Elders, we come to the end of our year, maybe we're going to have some new elders ordained or, or seated. Let's don't take it lightly. Let's don't be foolish. Let's be men and women who take the word Believe in the word, act on the word. Act on the word. And then we will sing when we get to heaven with all the rest of the saints the good news. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up and maybe they'll be play the, one of my favorite songs. 
which is easy. Everyone they play, I like. Father, I just I want to close just in a sweet moment here with you. I want us to remember from last week that we have the privilege as sons and daughters to climb up in your lap and to call you Abba, Father, Daddy, and discuss everything that we need to discuss with you. <coughs> Lord, help us to do that and help us to pray for those around us who more than anything else, Lord, need to know you as Savior and Lord. I don't care if I go to heaven with a cough or a cold or whatever, Lord. Help me every day to draw closer to you, to feel your sweet presence, your overwhelming love, in your holy name.